Well, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Philosophy Corner. Uh, before we start, uh, slight apologies. Um, the last couple of days, lack of a video. Actually, yesterday we were supposed to be doing Philosophy Corner with Daniel Michael Hinney, but uh, we kind of postponed it till today for various reasons. Um, but we're going to make it up to you, especially over the next few days. A number of shows that will be an update on what's been happening. But first, let's go to Daniel. Say hello to Daniel. How are you? <laughs> hello, I'm well, thank you. How are you? Good, good. Um, so today's episode, I was thinking mm. to focus on something that happened yesterday that even a lot of ordinary people, even people in politics, didn't even hear about it. Um, and we're going to talk about uh, the the angle of uh, mainstream media, their responsibility within society, because uh, you know we always talk about the political class. We talk about voters, the responsibility we have as ordinary citizens. Uh, but you know, there's a group in the middle between the voters and the politicians, and that's the media. Yesterday we had a massive uh, anti-COVID measures protest in London. And it was a big coalition of people. Um, some people were anti-vaccine passports. Some people were anti-vaccines. Some people were anti-future lockdowns uh, or some of the tiny measures like TfL forcing you to wear face masks and all these different uh, groups. A big crowd, no coverage in the mainstream media, even though last week Extinction Rebellion came out the streets, blocked the roads and the media covered them 24-7. Um, so let's start with this, because um, did you even know much about yesterday's protest? No, um, I, I hadn't heard about uh, the protest at all, really, until until we spoke about it earlier today. Um, in fact, I, I'm reminded of, I think it was last week or maybe the week before, uh, some anti-lockdown protesters or some anti-vaccine passport, you know, again, a coalition, um, protested and I believe sort of stormed the offices of the Daily Mail. Um, and I heard about that from uh, a colleague in America. I, I hadn't heard anything about that on the British press at all. And, you know, this this chap sent me a, a message saying, oh, I hear the anti, anti, you know, vax protests are heating up. And I said, you know, what are you talking about? And he sent me some, some US, independent US uh, journalism with links uh, to this story. But no, you're quite right. I mean, uh, Extinction Rebellion are covered within an inch of their life. I mean, you'd think that they they are the majority of people at this point, and yet uh, we hear very little about protests that don't fit in uh, with the mainstream media's uh, position. Yeah, but that that proves the point. Um, you know, if if people like us, I just happened to randomly see it in one video, someone posting it on Twitter. That's how I knew. Um, and uh, on the other hand, it's quite impressive that uh, well. It's not really promoted. Uh, there's still a lot of people turn up. How they hear about it, it's quite impressive. And then how you organize these things there, obviously, of course, mm. you know, through Facebook and word of mouth. Um, but it is a bit sad. But one position I have is whether you agree or disagree with them, any group, any protest, any sort of movement, uh, the media's role is to still, if they want to be objective, um, then if they are covering one, they need to cover the other one as well. Um, and secondly, I want to ask you about the role of the media, generally speaking, and the the, the, the on morality level, the responsibility that they have as in the industry uh, to keep our society stable and uh, accountable. Um, the, are they doing a, a good job or not? Well, yes. I mean, as you say, any group, no matter who they are, no matter what they believe, um, have a right to a voice. It doesn't necessarily mean that they have a right to a platform, uh, but certainly the people of, of the nation who are supposedly informed by the mainstream media have a right to know what's going on in their own country and have a right to know uh, who, who's protesting what. In terms of the role of the media, I think it's very interesting. It's sort of analogous, again, uh, to, to go back to my, my sort of uh, angle on most things. 
the theological one. It's sort of analogous in a way to the role of the priest pre-Reformation. You know, you've got the 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 sort of uh, the godlike figures, the politicians, and then the populace. And there's a priest, an intercessor, you know, somebody that, that speaks for the, the godlike figure on behalf of the people. And of yep. course, the problem with that uh, pre-Reformation was that the priests said what they wanted the populace to hear uh, and not necessarily the, the entirety of, of Revelation. In the same way, politicians do the same thing. And the Reformation sort of bypassed that process. So, you know, the Bible was written in the common language and uh, the priestly office was... Uh, changed in the way in which it was done. Um, and we've sort of seen a bit of that in a way with Twitter. I mean, Donald Trump did that. He bypassed uh, the priests of journalism, the priests of our age, um, and spoke directly to the populace, which was one of the reasons he was so popular. And that that is happening more than it has. I mean, the mainstream media are certainly losing uh, elements of control. But at the same time, I mean, if you're not um, a Twitterer or, or, you know, if you're not avidly following politics, uh, you still are reliant to a certain extent upon uh, the media to inform you what politicians have tweeted even. Well, I think that's the, the biggest misunderstanding that, well, the misconception that the media people have, uh, some of them, uh, which, which is, of course, it's their bias, whether it's right or wrong. Um, they think that there are certain groups and certain agendas that we need to shut down subtly because, oh, if you promote it, then the whole country is going to anarchy or bad um, but in reality, what they do is there are certain radical leaders, left and right, in certain underground movements that they have massive bases now, even though they don't really, they don't really get a coverage on the media, uh, but they're still creating their own base and very, very, uh, of course, you know, with conviction. In reality, they think that if they stop them, you know, they, they could kind of oppress the, the movement. In reality, it's not true. Whereas on the other hand, a few years ago, when Nick Griffin uh, was given platform on a question time when he was leader of the BMP, um, by allowing him to go to cover his views, uh, they actually managed to alienate a lot of his supporters by saying, well, actually, well, he, he was exposed. He's an idiot, for example. Oh, we thought we agree with him, but he said this. Ah, he's actually glad that you kind of covered him, uh, give, gave him the platform to expose himself. Um, so when are they going to learn about the, the, the BMP example? Because it happened a few years ago, but since then they've been shutting down everybody. We're like, nah, we don't, we're not going to cover it because if we cover it, then we're just going to um, promote it, basically. Well, exactly. I mean, the BMP are the perfect example. As you, as you quite rightly say, Nick Griffin went on a television. They were doing very well. They were beginning to win, um, admittedly, local seats, but they were winning seats and they would have done much better had that interview not happened. And the left tried to shut it down then. You know, you'll remember the BBC was attacked for allowing Nick Griffin to come and speak. And yet he went on uh, question time and he says absolutely horrendous things and as a result disappeared virtually overnight. This is the thing. We have the mainstream media, the political class, particularly those those on the left, but also those on on the moderate right at times, have a fear that the public are gullible, stupid, you know, that they're sort of innately maybe racist or whatever the case may be. And if they hear these views, then they'll think, oh, of course, somebody else shares my views. Thank God I'm not alone. But the British people don't think like that. The British people are not idiots. They're not gullible. And they don't have this undercurrent of maliciousness to them that if only uncaught would sort of, uh, you know, replicate itself across the nation. 
Yeah, I mean, um, that I think that's the main point. And Brexit was a perfect example. They were shutting it down. They taught uh, discussions on immigration or things like that for years. Uh, and then some of them, uh, they, they they were freaking out. They, they thought that the next day after the referendum, people are going to wake up and be like, oh, I feel racist today. You're not going to randomly become racist or magnify your views. Oh, because Boris Johnson and Nigel Farage gave me the platform to be a Brexiteer, now I can publicly be you know, racist. In fact, it brought down the level of a verbal racism that even we had in in the past in a tiny minority because it's in a sense discussion on immigration is now become a norm so no one has to have these secret chats in a in a pub in a local pub in east london and be like oh yeah let's talk about immigration because we can't talk about it on you know mm. well, on platforms he actually brought it down you know brought down the the tone and the level um but um now I want to ask you about um, the the difference in terms of the roles between the media and the press. Um, but before I do that, there's a very very nice frame behind you, and I'm guessing some of the people watching this are wondering why is there a random playing card? <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Uh, yes, well, as you know, I was very proud of my throwing abilities, and I managed to throw a card and get it caught in the in a depiction of the, the roof of the Sistine Chapel. Yeah, I threw it from the other side of the room. And there you go, the creation of Adam being defiled by by my card there. I apologize to Michelangelo. So you're just keeping it there because you're proud of the achievement. I'm keeping it there. It's been there for years. Amazing, amazing. That's, wow, it's impressive. Uh, so now, back to the topic. Um, we have the press, uh, and the, the role of the press is essentially, uh, well, for, they are open to be bi uh, biased. And uh, but having said that, the stories that we talk about, whether, whether on the street or on YouTube or on TV broadcasters, come from the press. That's where we get the stories from. And so even the mainstream media, when they're talking about a story, they got it from the Telegraph or the Times or the Guardian. Uh, and unless they have you know, you know, a very niche exclusive story, someone calls the BBC, oh, I want to talk to you. Otherwise, it's always the stories come from the press. Uh, and this is the same press that are openly biased. And it's still acceptable that while you're biased, we also trust you as a credible source when you're telling us a story. Mainstream media have been told to shut down the bias. You have to be impartial. Uh, so you're not really allowed to be uh, obviously biased on TV uh, as, as an establishment outlet. Um, but they don't even actually create the stories. Uh, do, you, do you not think that if, if the media... If we treat the media and channels like the way we do in newspapers, give them that much freedom to be able to at least have the freedom to want to be uh, biased. Um, as long as you know people could have the choice, be like, okay, I can watch a left-wing channel, the right-wing channel, like in America, you could watch CNN or Fox News, and you could make up your mind. Do you think that's a bit of a problem in the UK, or is everything fine? We should just leave it as it is. No, hundred percent, I do agree with you. I mean, it's it's bizarre that we still have this facade of. Um, uh, non-partisanship in British media because it doesn't exist and and no other country even attempts to sort of claim this you know Australian sky is so radically different from British sky and that's becoming much more obvious in recent uh, recent months um yeah we we need to get away from this pretense of neutrality because the thing is what you want is you want your biased media to tell you that they're biased because unless at least then you can have an informed uh, decision you can you can look at you know, hopefully most of us would, you know, have a go to channel, but then we would also uh, want to look at channels that would present a different point of view or would present uh, even a radically different point of view. Now, I think there are perhaps um, limits to how 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 far these things should go. Um, 
but certainly yeah within within the bounds of reasonableness mm. we should have uh, open bias that's that was the great thing about breitbart when it started off before you know before it um it continues to develop one of the you know andrew breitbart's points were, were often I am biased and I'm very open about that. So you understand that when you come to my newspaper, there's no pretense of neutrality. But I think it, it, it's, it's very more visible under the, the political right, media right, especially in America. Um, they all clarify, like Ben Shapiro's Daily Wire always say, we, we are right wing and we are trying to be mm. objective. You know, we would attack uh, the Trump side and the Biden side, but we are right wing. Uh, same mm. thing again with the well, Breitbart, same thing with the, um of course all the other steven crowder and all the other channels that they have it's always the the, the left outlets uh whether it's a um you know npr or here novara media mm. or certain mm. others and even novara media technically of course say they, they don't say everyone knows that they're left wing they don't have to say it um but they, they still try to come across as um well we are we are just you know we're just logical you know we're not mm. actually partisan well- Um, why are they lying about it then? Because you know, again, CNN is a good, good, good example. CNN is selling itself as the BBC. The BBC and CNN are very, very different things. Um, you know, yeah, they both absolutely. make mistakes of, of course, being, being biased. But the BBC tries to be impartial and messes up, mm-hmm. and because it has to, because of the charter. The CNN uh, just actually lie to, to the public, saying, mm-hmm. "No, no, we're just, we're not even subjective. We are right. You just have to listen to mm-hmm. us. This is our word." I think that was the problem with, uh, again, if you want to go back to theology, uh, pre the prophets that we had, you know, Moses and Jesus, that before that we had the puny gods. You know, people were saying, well, you're, I'm your king. I'm your pharaoh. You have to listen to me. My word is the word. And then, of course, the, uh, the messengers have to come and counter that argument, like, calm down. <laughs> no, the word is the, it's God's word, not your word. But yeah, go. <laughs> The history of religion and Gordon to Maya. I will read that. <laughs> All the puny gods. <laughs> puny um, gods. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, you're absolutely right. The left has done a very good job. I mean, the left's won the culture war. We, we've known this for a long time. It's starting to reverse a little bit yep. because the obscenity of a lot of it is just causing it to eat itself. But yeah, the left absolutely, particularly in America, on the mainstream media, present themselves as uh, not just right, but the intelligent position. You know, we're, we're the sensible ones. Sensible people listen to us. If you're, you know, if you're not not very clever, you know, you haven't been to school enough, or this, that, and the other. Maybe you should go watch Fox News. But if you, you know, if you're intelligent, if you're um, you know, a New York elite or come to CNN, it's fine. You know, there's very much that snobbish attitude. It's not you know, or we are left wing, we're open about that. It's yeah, we we're the channel of those that are sensible. And if if you're not sensible, maybe you should go somewhere else. It's it's done a very good job of painting itself like that, particularly CNN. Yeah, because uh, you, you have your experience in terms of being on American uh, media as well. Um, of mm. course, like Fox News and others. Um, have you been on any of the, of course, the other side of them, like whether it's CNN or, you know, or CNBC or anything like, or smaller independent ones? Uh, have you had any counter with um, them inviting you even? No, I don't think I have, actually. That's that a good point. No, point. I don't, um, <laughs> no, I don't think I have. I've had, um, I did an interview with a small independent uh, place in, in Las Vegas, actually. Um, and I, I think they were probably centrist, but they had a, a live stream going. And the main thing I got from the left wing contingent of their viewers was uh, why is this American pretending to have a fake British accent, which was deeply hurt. But uh, (laughs) 
anyway, so there you go. They think uh, they talk about ad hominem, but anyway, um, I don't have a fake British accent. Born, born and bred in London. Um, but yes, no, um, they're very much isolated. They're very much uh, insular. Uh, I think that's probably fair to say that's most consistent across the board, actually, in American media. American media is an echo chamber. There's certainly problems in American media. We we shouldn't replicate American media here. We should do better yeah. uh, than American media. There's there's great benefits to their system and, and negatives. Um, but there are certain shows that do invite people with opposing views on shows like the Hannity show when it when it was on a Bill O'Reilly show uh, when it was on um, Tucker Carlson's show. You know, they, they do tend to invite more left leaning commentators, if only to attack them fairly vociferously, <laughs> yeah. but they do invite them on. Um, and I think, yes, the only, yes, I, I was invited on to, um, oh, what's his name? Frankie, Frankie Boyle's show once he did. He used to do a roundup of American elections. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I turned that one down and I'm thankful I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would have been tricky. Uh, but, yeah. but no, to be fair, the people. Me and Sarah Pascoe in a room together. Could you imagine? Anyway. Oh, yeah. uh, but I think we have seen a bit of a shift today. For example, when GB News was first launched, uh, the left said, uh, firstly, we had to boycott it. Secondly, we're not going to go on it. Uh, but now, uh, slowly but surely, we are seeing a lot of um, left wingers going on GB News to debate. Um, and maybe that could be the beginning of um, this uh, soft revolution in the broadcasting industry where. Um, you can now slightly be open about certain biases that you have as a channel uh, mm. and still succeed as a business. So you can still have right-wing and left-wing people to come on channels. I think because in the past, channels were scared to even be biased because, well, first they thought that they would alienate some of the customers, the, the viewers, and also uh, the credibility. So no one from the other side will come, come on as guests. But uh, people are now going on GB, people on the left as well. So maybe there are other channels like, you know, Channel 4 would look and be like, oh, actually... Uh, instead of uh, inviting Jordan Peterson to try to do a gotcha interview and like make fun of him mm. or like an ah uh, uh, painting me as a, the devil, um, and then we wonder why right wingers don't come back to Channel Four. Maybe we should just be normal, invite them, have a normal debate, and we don't have to um, mm. and empty seat them like uh, they, they, they did with Boris Johnson during the election. Mm. Well, absolutely. I mean, if you believe uh, that you're right. Um, and you don't believe, as I think some of these companies unfortunately probably do believe, but if, if you believe that you're right and you don't believe that the majority of the British people are morons, um, then you would want to examine other people's views. You would want to have both sides because you want to say, look, this is the alternative. This is what I'm pushing or my company's pushing or my show's pushing, whatever the case may be. Um, believe this because it's true if you believe it's true then you should want free and open interrogation of the ideas because it should stand up to criticism if your views can't stand up to criticism uh then they're not true frankly you know and we have you know everyone in the media has a duty yeah. to allow the populace to make up their own mind it, it really is a duty to be in the media and a lot of people have forgotten that well, I think that's the biggest dilemma we have. And I think hopefully we will see some changes uh, again with the, the the launch and the relaunch of GV News and all the changes that, that they've made as well. Uh, we'll see how things go. Maybe the, we could reshape the future of British media slowly. You know, maybe not even our generation, mm. but in the future, at least there's hope. Mm. Um, but uh, for the, uh, the, I mean, to be fair, there's another example is um, a couple of days ago, I went to Birmingham University uh, to speak at a debate. It was, it was about the future of conservatism. So it was uh, the panel were all conservative, but 
uh, two different sides. You had the uh, the social conservatives, orthodox conservatives, um, who were actually still a bit of a mixture of um, uh, very traditionalist uh, paternalists, but also culturally conservative, but, you know, um, old English liberal, sort of like me, essentially. Uh, but then you had the other side were the wet blankets. You had the, the blue beyond, the very, very progressive, or as we say, regressive, uh, the, the liberal side. Who were just just embarrassing, uh, but that debate was still very civilized, and we you know we uh, there was there were a bit of a, a couple of funny moments there. I'm actually going to post the the highlights of that um, debate, um, I think tomorrow on the channel for you guys to see because it's brilliant. There was one question, spoiler, uh, was at the end, who was your favorite prime minister? Uh, I was actually surprised because I expected all the right wing young Tories to be like Margaret Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher, but no, everyone had like the different names and for different reasons, um, and I went with Robert Peel, and then we had. <laughs> One classic Blue Beyond uh, liberal side saying that favorite prime minister, best prime minister in the history of this country, Theresa May, because yep. she delivered Brexit. Like, hang on, sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> because she got that's Brexit done. I'm like, wait, this she? I don't think even she agrees with that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if we if we can finally have these uh, open debates inside the conservative side, the conservative tent, then we could hopefully do the same on the media um usually at the end of the shows uh you um finish by giving us giving us some wise words and you know some advice and some nice nice words and maybe you could uh, give something and ad some advice to the media before we go <laughs> mm. politics is an ecosystem the excesses of the right are not good and the excesses of the left are not good uh, and we need to have balance if we believe what we're saying and we trust the british people then we will present both sides fairly, give them both a fair hearing um, and equally um, without hiding our own biases in the process. Perfect. And on that note, thanks again for watching, guys. I'll see you guys in the next video.